0: from my home studio. Welcome to Evolve, groundbreaking Jewish conversations.
1: There is a huge misconception that affinity spaces for Jews of color to learn only benefits Jews of color. The value add to Jewish wisdom is so immense.
0: I'm your host, Brian Schwartzman. Today, I'm going to be talking with Alexandra Corwin, author of the Evolve essay, Journey to Restorative Justice in Sunday School Classrooms. Though, right off the bat, I must admit, we, we really don't get into this essay in any substance. Instead, we discuss uh, the organization that Alexandra runs, Mood: the Jews of Color Torah Academy. By the way, I mispronounce it like three times as Emud, but it's Amud. So we get into the mission and plans for this exciting endeavor, yeshiva, that Alexandra is leading. We'll we'll get into the details, but know that Amud provides Jewish education for Jews of color, by Jews of color, and exists to empower Jews of color by providing community and personalized support to gather and learn unchallenged in their Jewishness. That's that's right from a moods website, so I didn't make that up now, as part of the interview, I do ask in in sort of several different ways, why the world needs a progressive yeshiva that serves Jews of color and and Alexandra does does a really great job of of, of answering um, I, I guess I just <laughs> I guess I want to make clear that i'm re- I'm really asking, not because I haven't been paying attention to the debates going on within Within the Jewish community, I mean, I'm 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 asking really as as a conversation starter. Based on my journalistic training, I was taught to really respectfully press an interview subject to justify their mission and hopefully articulate intent in in a new, illuminating way. And I think um, I think we really do get there. But but I just um, I, I guess I just want to make clear, like. You know if you've been paying attention, you probably could um to the jewish press to the to the larger world you could hazard some guesses as to as to why affinity spaces are 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 needed and 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 you know I think a lot of people would would point to the the beyond the count survey that uh perspectives and lived experience of Jews of color which um which was put out twenty 2020, twenty in 2021 by the Jews of color initiative that was um, housed at Stanford university and was the largest ever uh, data set of, of self uh, identifying Jews of color to date more, more than a thousand people responded. And it just, some of the headlines were two thirds of, of survey respondents said they, they were totally disconnected from their Jewish identity or, or disconnected at times. And, Really changed how they spoke, dressed, or presented themselves to conform in predominantly white Jewish spaces. So, so that to me tells us a lot. And and another was the vast majority of respondents, eighty percent said they faced discrimination in Jewish settings, particularly in spiritual or or congregational in environments. So, um, I, I I certainly went into this conversation with that. With that in mind but also really tried to step back and, and start from the beginning so um let me know what you think of the results by the way, one more number question that came up on the show um, I hazard a guest and and my, my editor told me I was I was pretty close but just just for the record in, in 2019 researchers estimated that Jews of color represent at least 12 to fifteen percent of American Jews and that number definitely hasn't been universally accepted. There were some demographer debates about it, but I think it's pro- been proved to be a widely agreed upon basis for communal discussion and certainly illustrated the point that the numbers are growing and, and probably far larger than planners, uh, people in positions of power had, had thought about or acknowledged. So there's the number. Okay. You all want to hear from our guests, not me, so let's get to it. Alexandra Corwin is executive director of Amud, the Jews of Color Torah Academy. She is rooted in her Ashkenazi, Peruvian, and Quechua heritages. She has directed Jewish education programs, is a former teacher, community organizer, school leader, leadership director. She has a master's in education from the Harvard Graduate School of Education and in restorative justice from the Harvard Divinity School. She's also taught at the Reconstructionist Rabbinical College. Alexandra Corwin, welcome to the Evolve podcast. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I am glad we, we get to do this. So I think I just first wanted to ask, what is a mood? What is this new or not so new yeshiva that you're, um, that you're, that you're running?
1: AMUD, Jews of Color Torah Academy, is the manifestation of so many people's hard work over many years in creating an academy that centers Jews of color for Jews of color, by Jews of color, with Jewish education. And it's a place that exists to empower Jews of color by providing community and personalized support to gather and learn unchallenged in their Jewishness, and it allows JOCs, Jews of Color, to access the Jewish education needed to be empowered members and leaders of the broader Jewish community. We have two memberships. One is for Jews of Color, where they have access to Jewish learning classes, Hebrew classes. Our classes this month, for example, focus on Amida, Sedaka, Midrashim, and classes where Jews of color uh, are teaching and able to bring their full selves to teaching classes. And then num- another membership that we have is for allies. And allies are folks who are not Jews of color, but support and believe in our mission. And we're working on creating more programming for our amazing allies.
0: And this all happens online? Is it a mix of online and in, and in person somewhere? Where, where are we at uh
1: so when we started in 2019 we began in new york city and our classes were in person but after the pandemic we put our classes online and now we have folks from all over the world we have members in australia in south america in spain canada who are logging in for our classes. Right now, we have classes online, um, but we hope to have classes in person in the future. We're working towards that.
0: By the way, before I go on, what, is, what does a mood mean in uh, a mood, Hebrew?
1: It, yeah, mood in Hebrew means pillar. And that's what we want to be a pillar for Jewish education um, for Jews of color.
0: So this is the first couple months for you, first half a year. What's what's that? Uh, what's that been like?
1: Yes, yes. It's been the first six months for me in this role um, from when from when I took over from our from my predecessor. And so it really has been the beginning of a dream realized. Words that come to mind are exciting, collaboration, collaboration, reflecting, listening, gratitude and really feeling held not only by the community but by all our supporters and students and teachers and stakeholders. My dreams for a Mood are big. The North Star that I I shared when I joined, that's a vision that is um, supported by by our board and staff and a, a lot of students, is that I want a Mood to be a place where Every single Jew of color uh, knows about a mood, Jews of Color Torah Academy, and they know that there's no ceiling to their Jewish education. And for that to happen, I need to make sure that we have a strong foundation before we scale. And so that's what the past six months has been. Um, I've tried hard to create foundations at a mood based in values, um, strong values, discover the values of the Amood team and members as we build. We've been working hard to create policies, a handbook that matches our values with a specific focus on ensuring that our organization is hospitable to working parents. And we are creating a lot of these internal structures. So a lot of building and also a lot of listening, a lot of revamping, a lot of finding this right formula and the recipe for us to get to that North Star that I just mentioned. And ultimately, the past six months has been really clear to me that leading with all my identities full force, front and center, um, is something that I can do very comfortably at a Mood Jews of Color Tour Academy. I'm, I'm proud of my leadership and I know what it represents. Only 8% of nonprofit EDs are people of color, less than 3% are Latina. And I'm sure the numbers in the Jewish nonprofit sector um, are, are smaller than this. And so representation and my leadership, it's been really, really important to me to think about it in that way. And to think about that, my leadership story is me leading with all of these identities front and center. And I think it historically, it can be hard for people to do that, not quieting one identity over another. And I think it's an experiment in some ways, a really exciting experiment to see what beauty will become. We'll be born at an organization that centers leadership of color, Jewish leadership of color, Jewish. Woman leadership of color, and a mood is really a perfect place to do that. And so, in relationship to that, I would say that it's been a combination of of, of knowing that and, and centering myself in that way, and then also closely knowing that this is not this is not about me in so many ways as well. Um, I often say that my 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 leading a mood it's 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 not, it's not all about me, and I get immediate pushback saying, yeah, it's important to center yourself, and it is, but part of that story is that I really do see myself in how I view nonprofit leadership as being a steward of an organization of something that is so much bigger than myself, and that's something that I keep in mind every day, especially, especially an organization with the historical importance that a mood, that a mood is. And so a mood is something bigger than myself. I want a mood to be around in a hundred years when I'm not around anymore. And it's really been an honor and something that I've kept in my mind front and center, the future, the long-term future of a
0: mood. Since you mentioned your your leadership, um, I mean, can you tell us a little bit, standing on one foot, how your journey brought you to... to- to this point i mean i know we we've talked a little and and there's you 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 have this wide wide background of, of involving yiddish speaking and quechua and and there's there's a lot there so i don't yeah. i don't know if you can uh, if you can tell us a bit about how your journey brought you to to this leadership
1: well i think there are so many ways to tell to tell my story but one that feels exceedingly relevant in the context of being a guest on Evolve Podcast, <laughs> I grew up in a progressive Jewish household that held a lot of values on equality and equity in combination with Jewish values. And a part of that story is my Bubby, who was born in 1918. She didn't get a chance to have a bat mitzvah, although she helped me study for mine and was a passionate advocate for women's rights in the workplace. I know that she found reconstruction, Reconstructionist Judaism. And it really spoke to her. Uh, one of my most prized possessions is a signed copy of Questions Jews Ask, Reconstructionist Answers by Mordechai Kaplan that he signed to my father. And wow. so there's, there's no doubt that the influences of reconstructing Judaism had an impact on my Jewish upbringing and how I see the world in combining equity and Jewish values.
0: To, to close that, you also taught at the college, right, it, for, uh, for a semester? So you have... You, at at RRC, right?
1: Yes, I did teach. It was it was such an incredible experience. I have a background in Jewish education and education and in general, and I had an incredible time teaching at RRC. It was It was an incredible experience, and and I hope to again in the future. That was one of the ways that I actually learned about Amud. One of the students in. In the, in the class, um, invited me to a class that she was teaching at mood. And so reconstructing Judaism is a, a big part of how I, how I learned about mood and how I um, ended up here. Um, but yeah, all, all of that said, is that I've always been very interested in anti-racism and Judaism, Jewish text study, um, I've done a lot in the past several, several years, and I've always followed my passions and my interests, and that is what led me here. I've been a high school science teacher, middle school reading teacher, Sunday school teacher, Jewish education director, community organizer. I have a master's in education, double majored in women, gender studies and African Black diaspora studies. Um, did community organizing, was a business owner, consultant in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you know I, I share all of these things and all of these roles that I've been lucky enough to have as I followed my interests. But in reality, when I really think about it, is that a big part of my story and for me to be able to even have any of those roles was that I've been seriously invested in by learning institutions that have given me the ability to reach my potential, and to be here talking to you uh, today. And I've overcome a lot of challenges to get an education, to be a learner.
0: I think um, it might seem obvious, um, especially for those who are invested in this work, but Mm -hmm. I'll I'll ask the obvious question anyway, is why is there a need for a yeshiva specifically geared for Jews of color? I mean, I think that gets to a lot of the work you're you're talking about, but why why do we have this need?
1: Mhm um, well, I want to connect back a little bit of uh, of my own story and the power of of investment as well okay. um, to really get to really get at the core of that. So perhaps we can look back to that in in a minute, but i I will share that as the beyond the count survey shared. of Jews of color have experienced discrimination um, in a Jewish setting, which is something that you can't separate from Jews of color uh, entering Jewish educational spaces and what that means for belonging and being able to study and learn um, with shoulders relaxed. And so at a mood, Jews of color, because it is an affinity space, they know that they can relax their shoulders and they will not experience racial microaggressions. It's a comfortable environment for learning. It's, it's exhausting as a Jew of color to walk into a learning environment or an education institution and um, feel that you have to prove your identity or, or be uh, have so many, so many personal questions shared with you. I would say that's just one level to it. That's just one level of the kind of um, discrimination that manifests. Beyond that, there are so many different levels um, that 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 can really make it difficult for Jews of color to reach their full Jewish education potential. But I think there is a huge misconception that affinity spaces for Jews of color to learn only benefits Jews of color. I really do believe that when someone is able to bring their full self to a text, to the Torah, and what I mean by that is sharing their perspectives um, very deeply, and you have to be comfortable to do so. And all the different types of backgrounds and experiences and multicultural identities that lead to someone to have different ideas and thoughts on a text, you have to be comfortable to do so. And a mood is a place where that happens so consistently. I believe that when someone is able to bring their full self to the text, to Torah, because at the end of the day, this is about about Torah and Jewish education and Jewish wisdom. When you're able to bring your full self to the text in a comfortable place, the value add to Jewish wisdom is just so, so immense. Um, I've heard allies who who aren't in the classes, um, but have heard parts of the classes, and the learning has been transmitted. They've shared just how moved they've been from some of the topics that they've never thought about, but they were able to learn about because someone was able to bring their full self to the text. So it's a huge contribution to Jewish wisdom as well. Another part that's really important of this is that you know many we are not a synagogue. Right, we're not a temple, and it's important to name that because a lot of the folks who come into our classes share that because they have a mood, they're able to build up a well of resilience Mm -hmm. and warmth um, to be able to go back to the larger Jewish community where they know they will inevitably, unfortunately, at times experience discrimination and racism. But being able to come back to a mood gives them the, the wellspring to be able to to lead in the larger Jewish community. And and I believe that when Jews of color are empowered and have the text and Torah knowledge to to lead in the larger Jewish community as well within our Jew of color affinity spaces, then that only positively contributes to the beauty and the fabric and the vibrancy of our Jewish peoplehood. And so that's a positive for, for all.
0: If you're enjoying this interview, and I bet you are, please hit the subscribe button and be among the first to know when a new episode appears. And if you're a new listener, welcome, Bruchim habayim. Check out our back catalog of other groundbreaking conversations. And please take a moment to give us a five-star rating or leave a review. Those things really help other people find out about the show. It has something to do with algorithms and things I don't understand, but it works. All right, now back to our regularly scheduled programming. I guess going back a couple minutes, I'm 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 wondering if off the top of your head it's possible without you know naming a name or anything. If you've got an example of where you really saw a light bulb just flick flick in, in, in someone's mind or in their face when you when you saw somebody really you know, experience or unpack the Torah, you know, in their full comfort and full self. I'm I'm wondering if you just can give us a sense of what that what that looks like, what it sounds like.
1: Um so I'll I'll share that story. I think there's so many members who can share fascinating stories and we have testimonials coming up on our website, but I'll share a story for myself, um, from my own personal narrative and and experience is that I've thought of Sadaka in the past in so many different ways. Um, I think part of my part of my story that's important to center is that I'm a daughter of an immigrant as well. Um, That's part of my story and and part of my story which mirrors a lot of immigrant stories is that we send money to extended family back home Uh, when we can to contribute to their education and to um, bettering themselves. And that's a common story in immigrant families and immigrant households. Now, if I were in a space in a in a Jewish space where I already was feeling questioned um, by my identity, why questioning my own Judaism, questioning a lot of things about why I should be there, which as I shared earlier, eighty percent of Jews of color have experienced discrimi- discrimination. Would I um, start connecting parts of my story that really are different and unique to um, a lot of other um, a lot of other stories? in terms of like how I bring my full self to to thinking about a subject. Um, I I think perhaps there are certain spaces where perhaps I would in the past have kept um, certain connections to Sadaka and giving to family and answering those deep questions within myself. But at a mood, if I'm excited to think about how I can lead a class like this, but to really use our, our texts on what Sadaka is and connect it back to What does it mean to give sadaka to family members, to bettering education? What does it say in the Torah and our texts about this? How can we connect this to the immigrant experience? Um, And really delving deep into topics that I might have not been as comfortable as going deep into in other spaces. So that's part of the example of being able to bring your full self to the text. And to, and to the Torah in those ways. And I'm excited to think more about this through my own experiences as the daughter of an immigrant and what, it, and what our Jewish texts say about giving tzedakah to family members to better their education. And it's, it's an exciting uh, exploration that I can go on very comfortably bringing my full self to it.
0: So bear with me, cause I'm really, I'm trying to unpack this in, in sort of real time. Yeah. Um I think we could take it as a given that it would, you know, in the best of all possible worlds it would be good for you know Jews of all backgrounds to hear from and be enriched by different widening perspectives like like you bring. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I would love, you know, I just feel like that so is, yes. I mean is mm-hmm. that is that is that a long term goal is there is there a thought that if like you said if if jews of color are, bo- are bolstered in jews of color specific spaces um there might be more resilience for engaging with the larger community or is it is it a two-pronged approach or is it really where where we you know there's so much there's so much harm to overcome that we're not you know we're not really thinking of how how this benefits the the full jewish community if i'm if i'm saying that right
1: well we do believe we we benefit the full jewish community by yeah our contributions to to jewish wisdom and 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 also it's just existing but but i will say this brings another important point which makes our organization so historical in so many ways is that our mission is for jews of color by jews of color jewish education and that's our that's our goal and that's our mission and it's it's our primary mission and our primary goal and it's something that is not it's something that we really uh, that those are our those are our members and those are our constituents and that's who our organization um really really works hard to to support and we're figuring out the 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 recipe for that and all the different programs that that can um come into and we, we do believe that when Jews of color have a strong Jewish education and can bring their full selves to the Torah, then the reverberations of that will not only benefit the larger Jewish community but the, but the world. And we're really looking at ways on how we can measure that, um, because we really do. We really do believe that. I will say that it is um, it is I, we do get a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts like. From from n- not necessarily from our allies who have already signed up and understand our mission and our purpose, but from a lot of um, from folks sometimes like why you know I'm not a Jew of color but I really want to hear this I really want to come I really want to to join and I think number one that you know it's uncomfortable to uh, be a part uh, to to hear of something if you're so used to things being. For, for you in a lot of ways to have something that it is uncomfortable, that this is actually not for um, people who are not Jews of color, these classes, right? And I think that's something that can be really uh, uncomfortable and it's important to name that. Um, and also the fact that so many folks who are, who are white Jews, not Jews of color, are interested in our classes, wanna learn more about our classes, feel spiritually moved about the topics of our classes, what that really shows me is that we are creating Jewish wisdom that the whole Jewish community will benefit from and needs to hear. And we are excited to figure out ways to to bridge that knowledge and to share that in ways that are number one authentic for Jews of color and that keep them um, safe uh, within it and within our mission.
0: I guess I'm, I'm, I mean amazing to say it, but I'm wondering also does that does that point to a, a an actual dearth of Jewish mm-hmm. education options on online or or are you more able to say hey, you might not be able to take a class with us but but have you checked out this resource this resource and this resource I mean you know it's it it certainly seems like you're you're um encountering a thirst for for Jewish knowledge and learning
1: Definitely, and uh, we have great relationships with partnership organizations, so that you know all Jews are be are are able to to study the Jewish education that that they need for their neshama, for their for their Jewish souls. Um, and you know we're we are still very rooted in our mission, uh, which is expanding the opportunities for Jews of color and their Jewish education needs, and that is something that we believe because Jews of color have been, you know, historically under invested in and in so many ways and really thinking about what is that? What is what they need? What is what we need? Jews of color need to really deepen our Jewish education. I mean, we've only started since 2019. And since then, we have had over close to six hundred Jews of color who have just heard about us from word of mouth sign up for our classes, and that really speaks to the the need to be in affinity spaces and the need for uh, Jew, Jews of color led by Jews of color organizations where we're not um, building a bridge and like needing to explain ourselves in so many ways, but can really just dive straight into uh, the type of learning that that is. That is important. And I would like to say that I've been very inspired by learning about Suriname Jews in the 1700s from what what I've learned from Dr. Eli Rosenblatt, who can speak much more extensively on his research and and, and these subjects. But I learned of um, a group of, there was a multiracial Jewish community at that time. And I've learned that the Jews of color at that time, um, although they didn't call themselves Jews of color, created their own learning institution called Siva. Um, I believe it's Ladino for um, yeshiva. And they created this institution where they could study Torah. It was an affinity space in the early 1700s, where they could study Torah, a community center, where they Knew that they wouldn't experience racism there like they had in the more um in, in the in the larger Jewish community. Although they would still go because they were part of the larger J- Jewish community, they would go to the larger Jewish community for holidays and things like that, but they had their own affinity space. Now we don't know much about Siva, except that they only lasted a few years and one of the main reasons for that was that the larger Jewish community didn't understand the value of this affinity space. And they shared, come on, we don't want to separate, we need to be all together. Um, and my hope and my dream for mood, although, you know, we started almost 320 years later, is that our beautiful collective Jewish community can understand the value of an affinity space, and how it really does serve to bring us closer together to the larger Jewish community. There are times when we, um, when we, when all, when we have so many different identities that we can um, connect with folks of different identities, not only Jews of color, but I know a lot of synagogues are really comfortable and familiar with the idea of sisterhood groups. Um, and in that spirit, there are times where we can come together for our different identities and then come become part of the larger. Jewish community as well. And that's what's so important to understand about the value of of a mood and affinity spaces in general.
0: While we have another couple seconds of your time, if you'd like to support these groundbreaking conversations of Evolve on the podcast, on the website, in our web conversations, you can engage in citizen philanthropy and support us. Every gift matters. There's a donate link right in our show notes why not start with high $36? Good, good place to start. That would, um, uh, any, any gift to that size, it'll, it'll make a difference. Thanks for listening and thank you for your support. All right. Now back to today's interview. I mean, it's my, my experience and understanding that the larger, if you can quantify or talk about the larger Jewish community in, in one, you know, in totally. path, which is, which is, Probably a fallacy. It, it's it's come a long way in the last decade or so in in understanding the challenges and roadblocks that Jews of color were, were facing, have faced, continue to face, and and the need for affinity spaces and initiatives. Is that is that your sense? I mean, is is there a way to talk about where things are versus where they where they need to go?
1: Definitely. I I think that so much of that. So much of that progress has been so exciting for me to live through and watch. You know, I'm 30 years old, and I remember when I was a kid, I never uh, heard of the term Jews of color, although there was so much activism from Jews of color, you know, working on that term, Shachana McKinney Baldwin, Yavila McCoy, and and many other amazing um, Jewish women who were... Who were doing? Who have done so much incredible work in in those regar- regards? April Baskin, um, Alana Kaufman. Just, I, I just, I so admire the Jew- Jewish people of color, Jewish women of color, Black Jewish women who have came before me and really paved the way. But when I was a kid, I never really uh, understood. I never I knew that I had varying identities and they were somewhat you they were unique um and I would get excited whenever I would see another Jewish kid of color in in Sunday school or or temple um but I didn't have the language jew do, do of color and not until I was and I that was, that was something that I kind of was looking for community and and searching online, and kind of grappling with in my own in my own way, while simultaneously growing up and uh, understanding, um, experiencing racism—not necessarily in Jewish settings, but in the broader world—and then also um, having um, my identity as a as a little Jewish Latina girl in a predominantly white um, Jewish community, and all that came with that. And so there was a lot of growing and a lot of thinking and a lot of understanding and, and grappling and making sense of, but not until I was um, around several years ago, actually in my 20s, did I hear of the word Jew of color. And I understood deeply the power of what it meant to be in an affinity space with folks who had similar experiences as you, and the power of language in that way, and community. And so, I wonder what it what it could have, what what we can do today, knowing what we know about discrimination and how it manifests, to support um, Jewish children of color to. to to grow up in a world where their full identities and their full selves are welcomed and celebrated and nourished and welcomed at the door. And one of my goals with with Amood is to really grow into a larger organization, a legacy organization in so many ways. For all, the, for all the folks who will continue to grow into adult Jewish people of color, but now who are Jewish children of color, which is, I know in the Chicagoland area, which is 17% of Jewish children are Jews of color. And I, and I believe that that mirrors larger national studies as well, is to, is to really think about how a mood can be a place for the, for the future right? And so how we can start supporting the Jewish education of Jews of color today to grow into the Torah and education scholars that we need not only today, but for tomorrow as well. And thinking about the future is is something that's very important in that way. And yes, we've made a lot of progress, but there needs to be more done. And I think a huge way of doing that is centering the leadership of Jews of color, because at the end of the day, I think those who are most impacted by the problem know the best solutions in a lot of ways. And that's what we're doing here at Amud.
0: Speaking of solutions, is there any way in a non-graduate level terminology to talk about um, a mood's pedagogical approach, its teaching methods, and anything that you know. How do you how do you design a class, whether online or in person, that 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 enables people to be their full selves and connect with this tradition? That could be in another language. That could seem opaque. Um, there's probably not a one size fits all. But but um, I know I know you're a teacher. There there are a lot of teachers listening. So that I'm I was. Oh. Um, wanted to ask a teaching question
1: I love that question so this so far we have had tremendous success in sharing with teachers um, that we want them to be able to bring their full selves to the curriculum and and share their 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 Torah that they want to share and really working on investing in folks as I talked about earlier um, But this next year is that we really are working on answering the question, what does it mean to teach at a mood? What is a mood's unique pedagogical approach? And so we're gonna be embarking on a collaborative process to really hone in deep on what that looks like. Um, And you'll you'll have me back on next year and we're really excited to like seriously answer this question. and as a teacher myself, and uh, someone who um, is pretty excited and invested in, in how, and I say this, um, for lack of a better word, but this, the what we can learn from education in general, like secular education, education, what I learned in graduate school that's not necessarily always transferred um, into Jewish education settings is how to take the best of the a lot of those different exciting theories like ethnic racial identity development and studies on belonging and incorporate it into the unique way that we can teach at a mood and so we're going to be starting a long process of that which is very exciting
0: and faculty is is is, is full-time or you have or, or you have different experts teaching different classes how does how is the faculty assembled
1: our uh, recipe so far has been investing in Jews of color um, teachers in varying different ways. So it looks like having perhaps 10 different teachers a year who, um, who share their Torah on 10 different subjects. And it also looks like having part-time faculty, but I, I would be really interested in having faculty that are in a more, um, more, full, more long-term level as well and we have amazing rabbis as well who teach classes we have um rabbi mira rivera rabbi kendall pinkney and not only do they teach classes but they provide pastoral care to our students because what we've what a mood um founders have realized is that coming into jewish education for jews of color i mean sometimes there's a lot there's a lot there um i'll I'll speak to experiences where, if you were growing up as a kid and you experienced racism in Hebrew school, when you go into a Hebrew class, there's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff there to unpack, and a lot of um, things that you want to perhaps explore to make sure that it's a safe environment for you and our pastoral care team our, our amazing rabbis they're able to be here to talk to jews of color who um who uh, who can support them in all the different ways that a rabbi does support members so that's an important part of our model as well
0: oh yeah folks folks know i'm i'm i guess about as white jewish as you can get so i don't have any of that stuff to think about but you just mentioned hebrew school and i still think about getting pelted in the back with the racers and, and pencils oh. So we all we all have our stuff i guess uh
1: yeah um, there's a lot there yeah <laughs>
0: but but i but I, I understand the need of pastor you know i wonder if that's something that that quote the rest of the jewish community can learn from because like if, if we're adults i mean so many of us come and want to engage with with jewish tradition at, at on an adult level there's you know, there's baggage and, 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 you know, whatever there, and how, how do we get, how do we get past Mm -hmm. that? And, and, and obviously the, the level, the intensity, the issues are different, but, but.
1: Mm -hmm. I would say too, is that I'm very um, passionate about the education principles and adult education and best practices for why adult learners come to learn in general, and then incorporating those different best practices for teaching adults, which is very different than teaching children in a lot of ways, and making sure that that is um, normed at a mood and that we're really using best practices and incorporating our own unique um, perspectives on the Torah, but focusing on on adult education and really, really high quality programming, which is something that I'm, I'm passionate about.
0: I mean, you, you talked about percentages before. I mean, we've seen yeah. in, in recent years, um, estimates range um, 15, 20% of, of, of Jewish households have, have, a, have a member of Jews of color, uh, who identify as a Jews of color. I don't know if I'm if I'm getting that exactly right, we'll check it in the in the show notes. But but clearly that that um that percentage is only going to increase. So does does that make your work even more important? Or do you do you think of it in, in those terms? I mean, clearly the the Jewish community, you talked about the future, and the future is not gonna look like either what it actually was in the past or what some of us may imagine it looked like in the past. Um
1: mm-hmm there's one part of the story that's important and that leads to where a mood is going strategically in the future for how to accomplish our mission. And that is the fact that right now, our spiritual and rabbinic leadership as a Jewish people does not um, mirror the, eth- the beautiful racial and ethnic diversity that we have as a Jewish people. And I believe that that is a problem for For many reasons, one is that you know if you are a a child or a person um, growing up and have dreams of the highest levels of Jewish education in a lot of ways and becoming a rabbi or becoming a cantor, and if you don't see anyone that looks like you or who is in that leadership leadership position, it becomes harder to see that for yourself. So one issue is representation, and then another. Another issue is really answering the question, and there's so many ways to answer this. So I'll just ask the question: Is what does the whole Jewish community lose when our ethnic and racial uh, diversity as a Jewish people is not represented in our spiritual and rabbinic leadership? And I think the answer to that is we have a we have a lot we have a lot to lose out not only on the beautiful Jewish wisdom, um, but it's it's not telling the full story of of our jewish peoplehood and right now i believe that we need to make urgent and significant investments in jews of color to be able to move forward on uh their any rabbinic dreams that they that they might have so that in 10, 20, 30, 40 years that the rabbis that we support today are able to represent the ever-growing, beautiful, racial and ethnic diversity of our Jewish future.
0: So it's your hope that that <laughs> at least some of your students find their way to be Jewish educators, to be rabbis, uh, is is that is that part of your hopes for some of the learning that goes on?
1: Well, when we reflect back over the last couple years that we've existed, we have heard from a lot of, of our students that because of their because of how empowered they felt at a mood to be able to have an opportunity to teach um, and or that they know that a mood will always be here for them as a Jewish learning community that they've been able to move forward and either apply to rabbinical school or go to rabbinical school. And a mood has been part of their journey in a lot of ways. And this has happened very organically. And so my question is, how can, since this has happened organically um, several times al- already without having a strategic plan for it, how can we move forward to create a strategic plan based on the community needs um, for Jews of color who dream of rabbinical school?
0: I have spoken to more than one um, Miz- Rocky Jew with uh, Yemenite or, or Moroccan background that, that, that has trouble connecting to the term Jews of Jews of color. I'm I'm wondering if that's, if that's been an issue, if, if in, you know, recruiting students from all around the world, if, if, you know, this particular population or others have been, have been harder to reach or, or connect with.
1: So the term Jews of color, um, it's, race at the end of the day is a social construct. And at the same time, um, it concretely affects people's lives. And so a lot of folks are sitting in the messiness of trying to decide if they identify as a JOC, um, if they are grappling with the concept of being white passing we welcome folks into this space and all that messiness as a JOC member. Um, If someone identifies as white, then they're able to join the community as part of our ally circle. And if folks are struggling um, with whether or not the space is for them, if they identify as Sephardi or Mizrahi, but not sure about the race part, they are invited to reach out to us and have a conversation with us so we can unpack that together. Um, and at the end of the day, Jews of color, what binds us together in so many ways, as Shahana McKinney Baldwin says, is that it is, a, it is a political construct in a lot of ways, because what binds us together is our experiences with racial disc- discrimination mm. in a lot of ways. And so if someone identifies as feeling uh, discriminated because of their racial or ethnic identity, then I think there's a lot of room to explore if they can feel part of a Jew of color identity. And I would invite them to explore our programming.
0: You know, if, if a defining characteristic or, or, or unifier is, is negative experiences of Discrimination is it is it a challenge to turn around those negative experiences into positive affirmation and identity? Is that is that part of you know part of your mission?
1: Mm, definitely, you know I think it's that's what that's where it starts, right? And when I think of my own journey and understanding um, my, what what my Jew of color identity means to me. And it's the it's the first place, perhaps, when I was really excited, and I was 22 or 23, and I met my um, another Jew of color who I just were immediately drawn to, <laughs> and we were able to talk about those experiences. I definitely think that healing and those shared, ex- you know, difficult experiences are the first place a lot of that that starts. But once you get deeper into it, it becomes so positive in so many ways because and I've, I, I say this so much and I'm going to say it again but when someone feels comfortable to bring their full self and all their ethnic and racial identities and all the varying cultures they come from um, within the container of a Jewish space when they're able to do that the vibrancy and the fullness and all the positives and celebration and positive racial, ethnic and Jewish identity that comes out in these spaces is, is huge and so positive. And so I would say that focusing on that, um, you know, the, the, the discrimination is just one, one small slice of it, but it's been overwhelmingly, um, it's been overwhelmingly positive in a lot of ways, these spaces.
0: So you've you've ventured forth a, a century and said you hope a mood is still is still here in uh, in a hundred years. So so even um, I mean, I imagine you, you haven't been asked to map out what what the organization <laughs> looks like in a in a hundred years. That'd be a serious long term uh, plan. But I guess you see even even if um, you know you meet all of your goals and and then some, and the Jewish communities are dramatically and. Transformed into much more welcoming spaces, you'd you'd still see, you know, a need for for um, a space for Jews of color to to learn together. That there's a joy and and comfort there that will that will have value beyond beyond combating what needs to be combated.
1: I I believe so. And an- another part of this story is that when we we will, as we will continue to be become um, a more racially and ethnically diverse Jewish community in, in the United States and beyond, it's also important that not only our rabbinical leadership matches that, but also our Jewish nonprofit leadership there. And so I would hope that in a hundred years or in now, well we're starting we're continuing this journey now, but in 20, 30 years is that there will always be, um, spaces that center the unique, the unique identities of our of our community, um, right? And, and to elevate and foster that that leadership as well. And there's so many there's so many um, unique, beautiful identities in the Jewish community. Um, marginalized identities, so so many that we can say. And there are lots of analogous Jewish institutions that being that are being led by folks who understand that problem um, very intimately, right? And so that's no different with Jew of color leadership. I hope that um, our Jewish nonprofit sector and our Jewish education leadership sector will place value in uh, being led by folks who who are closest to the problem. And so that's that is a long term dream. And another long term dream is for for us to continue to elevate the leadership of, of Jews of color. And I think that's something that will always be relevant.
0: With A Mood, what are you looking forward to the most over the next uh, year, two years? What what excites you the most?
1: Mm, I'm really excited about A Mood raising our public profile, and with the goal of Jews of color and folks um, and allies to come and join A Mood, because I believe that when we we get more, um, we get more love and more press and more people know about us that they can see the impact that we're making. And we'll be able to make a a larger impact when we, when we have even more folks who have joined our community and not only support us, um, not only support us spiritually and morally, but also with resources for us to be able to grow as well. That's something that's really exciting to me. I'm really excited about answering the question of where Amud Jews of Color Torah Academy, um, what, uh, what our unique role is in supporting Jews of Color who dream of the rabbinate. And I'm really excited to launch like a strategic direction for that, which is very exciting. And I ultimately am excited to, to grow a mood and to continue to build our foundation so that we can be a really awesome and values-based place to work.
0: Alexandra Corwin, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, for a wonderful conversation. Um, I love your idea. Let's, I, I hope to... Uh come back and, mm-hmm. and and do it again and and uh, and, and see uh, see where this goes.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful to to share about Amud Jews of Color Torah Academy. And anyone who's interested in becoming a member, whether they're a Jew of Color or an ally, please go to amud.org, a m m u d.org and sign up to be a member and you'll be on our email list and get all the information about the amazing programming we're up
0: to. So, what did you think of today's episode? I want to hear from you. Evolve is about curating meaningful conversation, and that includes you. Send me your questions, comments, feedback, whatever you got. You can reach me at bschwartzman at reconstructingjudaism.org. We'll be back soon with a brand new episode. Evolve. Groundbreaking Jewish Conversations is executive produced by Rabbi Jacob Staub and edited by Sam Walks. Our theme song, Ilufinu, is by Rabbi Miriam Margols. The show is a production of Reconstructing Judaism. I'm your host, Brian Schwartzman, and I will see you next time.